0: Welcome in on this Sunday. Very excited for you guys to join us a hell of a week seven and we're going to try and get to everything recapping what happened in college football. Also previewing a big day in the NFL. Some really good matchups we have going down. Uh, make sure before we get to anything you hit that like button. You hit it hard. I'm talking about coming downhill De- Derek Henry hard and you hit that subscribe button. Uh, everything helps the channel. Appreciate you guys. Remember if you do donate your question gets asked. I already see we got one there in the chat but let me bring in Former Heisman candidate, Michigan quarterback David, never home alone Cone, and then my brother, Western Colorado wide receiver, friend of Austin Eckler, yes. and also still my brother. Uh, what's yes. up,
1: guys? Heck of a weekend! What's up, fellas? God, uh, was it was it was it a really good weekend? Was it was it a good weekend in college football, guys? Kind of mediocre, right?
0: No, I, it, it just delivered again, like Amazon and UPS had a baby. Uh, but I want to jump right into it. I see we do have a
1: donation there, Blaine. Let's go to Jordan Kilgo. What's up, Jay? What's taken so long to fire Harson? Is it the AD, fellas? It's, it's
0: – every situation is different. I think when we, we kind of generalize coaching searches into, well, it's in this category, this category, this category, uh, it kind of paints a broad brush, and we don't need to do that. Right now, Auburn doesn't have an athletic director. And if you are a coach that is worth your salt – you are not going to take that job without an athletic director. Do you want to know why? Because when the AD hires you, it's like coach's insurance. That That's basically what it is. You have protection, like the mob, that you guys are tied together. And in a place like Auburn, where we know football is still king, regardless of what Butch Thompson and Bruce Pearl do in baseball and basketball, uh, it's going to determine whether that AD keeps their job or not. So you want to be connected uh, to, to – the AD that gets hired, I think right now you're looking at John Hartwell, is probably going to get hired. Uh, and then you're going to have Jeff Grimes be the next head coach at Auburn. We'll see what type of staff we can put together there. But to me, why not just go ahead and let him go? Just rip the band aid off now. You know, again, you're going to fire him. And when you fire him, that is going to affect recruiting. Do you want recruits to already know he's gone uh, to make it, you know, maybe an easier transition when that new guy gets in there to say, hey, you were committed to Auburn with Coach Harson. Now come with me. So that's really the reason why.
1: All right, let's go to Real Truth Cactus, a dollar ninety-nine cent donation. Mm-hmm. He says, I just need everyone to sing Rocky Top today, fellas. <laughs> all
0: right, hey, here we go. Here we go. One, two, one, two, three. I have Rocky to Top <laughs> will always be home, sweet home <laughs> to me. Good old no. Rocky Top. Rocky Top, Rocky top Tennessee. There you that. go. We're just an all inclusive entertainment yeah. uh, uh, branch here. <laughs> And I didn't use my good singing voice on that. I should have maybe done it like a, like a sing creed. But guys, let's go Roddy ahead and Lou start. banned
2: the song for the for the weekend. Oh, I yeah. bet. Oh, oh, believe yeah, me, it's gonna get I played bet. on
0: on repeat. But guys, let's go ahead and start in the SEC. You gotta start with Tennessee and Alabama. Uh the game absolutely delivered. Tennessee was able to jump out on them. They deferred. Alabama uh, you know, ended up putting Tennessee, went down there and scored really quickly. And you know, the the thing that that we talked about going in all week and to this game is yeah, there's weaknesses. Is Alabama's secondary the best? Uh, no, have they struggled a little bit? Yes, but at the end of the day, Tennessee still had to be balanced on offense to be able to, to, to be a threat to them. I mean, you look at Hendon Hooker; uh, he ended up you know with 56 yards on the ground, no touchdowns, did average four yards a carry, uh, but then Wright ends up with uh, 71 yards on 12 carries. That's almost six yards a carry, guys. And I know Hyatt hogged all the touchdown, uh, uh, all the touchdowns. I mean, we haven't seen you know Hyatt hog that much since J.B. Prisker went to the last Golden Corral, but uh, a huge win for Tennessee. But were you surprised how Tennessee was able to run the ball, how, were they, how they were able to stay balanced on offense? Because uh, you knew Alabama was going to score, and they sure did.
2: I wasn't surprised that it was a high-scoring affair. We thought we might see a shootout. I was just surprised that Alabama's defense wasn't able to lock down those receivers more and get to Hendon Hooker a little bit more. But first off, what a fantastic football game, man! We just we we got everything we wanted with that game. Most points scored against Alabama since the uh, the Swanee shootout of nineteen oh seven. Can you man? Believe we all it? remember that. And one. You know what? You know we talk about Tennessee's defense, especially when they were playing Florida at home. How they were bending but not breaking. And uh, Anthony Richardson even. Threw through for 450 in that game and when push came to shove late in this game what did you see Tennessee manned up on Alabama they weren't af- they weren't afraid to play man defense and come after Bryce Young we got to see the defending Heisman trophy winner in the pocket Alabama was at full strength Bryce looked healthy still through for 450 so all in all man shout out to the Tennessee Volunteers and it just proves that I think that this college football race right
1: now is wide open it is, blank. i, I, I took a couple things from this game. One, Jameer Gibbs is a starting running back in the NFL right now. That dude is just – he was Kamara. making cuts that Alvin angles Kamara. that you can't even figure out in a geometry class. Two, Hendon Hooker is the leader for the Heisman. Yes. I think we can all say that right now. That was his Heisman moment, that game. And I look at this game, and there's not really a moment in this game where I thought Tennessee didn't have just as good as athletes as Bama did, if not better. Um, Tennessee can run it with anybody in the nation. I didn't give them enough credit – Said so they're going to be the third-team best team in the SEC. Hell, right now they're the second or the first. And the, the big thing for me is this is probably the most undisciplined Alabama team I've seen Yeah. under Nick Saban. I mean, 17 penalties for 130 yards. Mm-hmm. I know some of them are questionable, but they got some questionable calls too, like that one pass interference in the end zone. And, and, and the punt fumble is just I usually don't see this from a Nick Saban team. So that's what I'm most worried about. But I knew the team with the ball last was going to win this game. There's was that type of game. And uh, yeah. I'm glad Tennessee fans get to enjoy this. But that's one of the best atmospheres I've seen in a long time in college football.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it was a matter of time but before they, they were able to knock the wall down and, and beat Bama. I mean, I was just waiting for somebody to, you know, call on Gorbachev that, you know, open, knock down the wall. But when, when this game to me, when I agree with you, Tennessee, and, and again, another thing we said, this felt like going into this game, this was the first time in a long time that if Tennessee played really well, and Alabama played really well, Tennessee could still win. Mm-hmm. Tennessee didn't need Alabama to play bad and them to play over their head to win. I think that shows you what what Josh Heupel's been able to do with that roster, uh, the environment, and up front. thought they held up up front. Look, I know Alabama had success on offense. I mean, hell, Bryce Young threw for mm-hmm. over 400 yards. But you were able to score with him. You were able to make the plays at the end. And it's, look, some people will talk about, oh, this penalty here, this penalty there. I don't think penalties decided the game. I I think the players and the coaches decided that game. Mm -hmm. But for the second time this season, guys, and this goes back to what you say, Blind, about being undisciplined. For the second time this season, Alabama set a record under Nick Saban in penalties. They did it, Texas. They set the record before the fourth quarter even started. And you thought, because in the past we've seen what? When Alabama's kind of stumbled like that, that's been a rallying cry for Nick Saban to circle the wagons, make sure we're doing this how I want to do it, it, how we've done it in the past. But they did it again. So that that to me was the most surprising part. Maybe sometimes you just are who you are in big games. And you look at Alabama right now, and look, they did have the big win on the road against Arkansas. Uh, and they were able to beat A&M uh, at home in a game with, with their backup quarterback. But number one, Bryce was healthy. You could tell Bryce was healthy. That looked like healthy Bryce Young. Huge win for Tennessee. Uh, and guys, let's go ahead and drop our top fives real quick. And I think we may have had some more
1: donuts in there, B. Yeah, let's go to Carson Everett, four dollar ninety nine cent donation. What's up, mm-hmm. Carson? He says no runs, and don't set up the kicker for a game winning kick. Terrible by Bob or B O B, but should have locked it up after the scoop and score. Yeah, look, Tennessee gave you the gift they mm-hmm. gave you the gift. They handed, they dro- dropped the
0: ball on the ground and and handed it to you. Dallas Turner bent down, picked it up. That should have been ball game, but I think it shows you. This Tennessee team is a little bit different. It wasn't fake belief. Tennessee went out and won that game, and look, I agree. You probably should have ran it uh, and 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 tried to go about it a little bit different way than you did, but Reichert missed the field goal. You mm-hmm. had opportunities. Riker not only missed a field goal, he missed it by about a parking lot to the right. okay, that ball had no chance uh, of going in. Didn't so feel, uh, oh, go ahead., you know, say so you can't argue if you're an Alabama fan that, oh, we didn't have opportunities or oh, this was taken away from us. No, you had opportunities. They handed you the ball mm-hmm. and then you had a chance to kick a field goal to win uh, to win it. So at the end of the day, you didn't take advantage of those opportunities, and that's the difference between this Alabama team and this Tennessee team in twenty twenty two
2: didn't it feel like oh, after Jamier that Gibbs scoop and a, score an angle
1: pass for a touchdown a couple of plays earlier?
2: True. Oh yeah. Yeah. He should have caught that one. Didn't it feel like after that scoop and score that this is the moment where we've seen this movie before mm-hmm. you fought your hardest, you played tight against Alabama, but you know, late in the game, the talent level and the coaching just takes over and they find a way to beat you. That's what it felt like to me watching that scoop and score and then Tennessee Finds a way late to come back, take advantage of the missed kick. What they run a double? They they ran the double dig concept, both Mm -hmm. sides of the field. We called it 10, two ends, huge completions. Then make we used to call it box. Yeah, we used to call
0: it box. Yeah, you had the two digs, kind of like the corners of the box Mm -hmm. going up on the top. Just uh, we we were big visual when it came to that. But guys, let's drop our top fives real quick.
2: Kony, you want to start? Yeah, no, look, I mean, I think right now we have five top four teams. So this was difficult. I was thinking about this all night last night. Uh, the Buckeyes were on a bye yesterday, and and, and Georgia played uh, Vanderbilt. So you could say they were kind of on a bye as well. But to me, you could put the Bulldogs and, and the Buckeyes uh, one and two in any order. Right now, since Georgia played yesterday, I have Georgia one. I have Buckeyes two. This is, you know, this is all changing in real time, guys, but this is what I have this week. And then three, four, five is really where it got tough for me. I put Tennessee at three right now. Not just for that win. I mean, that was a great win. You know, you win by three. It could have gone either way late in the game, but you finally got over the hump against a good Alabama team, and then you have to take into consideration the road win at LSU, especially what they were able to do against Florida yesterday, the road win at Pitt. So to me right now, I have Tennessee at three, and then I have Michigan at four with the domination of Penn State. we finally gotten to see them, you know, uh, play some, you know, a really good Penn State team. They rushed for 416. Coram and Edwards had 339 combined. And that leaves Clemson at five for me, um, which is tough because I think Clemson is a top four team right now. So if you're a Clemson fan listening, at least you can draw solace in the fact that your toughest games are are pretty much behind. You have Mm -hmm. Syracuse coming up, but you've already played your toughest games. And the top four teams are going to have to play another team within the top four. Michigan and Ohio, that's going to take care of itself. Tennessee and Georgia, we get that in two weeks. So to me, that's what I have. And then then Bama, uh, TCU, UCLA, Ole Miss sort of all on that outside top five looking
1: in right now. Blaine, who do you got? I love it. I'm going to go Ohio State one. I'm going to go Tennessee two, Georgia three. Give me Michigan four and Clemson five. Um, Probably the team I was most impressed with, I mean, if we kind of exclude Tennessee, was Michigan. I mean, just an absolute domination on both sides of the ball. I know the game was somewhat of a blowout, but it should have been bigger than that, if you look at their Mm -hmm. red zone woes early in that first half. But Tennessee right now has got the best, I mean – I mean resume in the nation from schedule. I mean you go back Georgia. I know it's hard to put a team down who just won fifty five to nothing, um, but you know there's a couple of weeks Georgia where I have a lot of questions there. But the show I mean extremely good football team. But I mean Ohio State right now I still think you could it's it's so nitpicky you're you're, you're just basically splitting hairs when you get to the top four. Mm-hmm. It'll all it'll all weigh itself. Out, but my top four right now I go Tennessee two Georgia three give me Michigan four and give me the Buckeyes at one.
0: Yeah, I, I'm gonna go quick here. Give me Georgia at one, give me Ohio State at two, give me Tennessee at three, give me Michigan four, and give me Clemson five. Guys, Ooh. I'm gonna be honest with you. I almost put TCU in here. I, I just I I'm looking at their schedule. I know they got some tough games. The way they were able to come back yesterday, I mean, Spencer Sanders and them jumped out in the big lead. I know we're going to get into it. I almost threw TCU in there. In the comments, tell us your top five going into week eight. Make sure you like and subscribe. All right, let's move on here in the SEC. Arkansas able to battle back behind five touchdown passes uh, from the giant that is K.J. Jefferson. Got a really nice win when they needed on the road uh, out there in Provo uh, Provo against a BYU team that's done some things this year. Uh, I want to take my hat off to Kendall Bryles uh, and that whole staff. That's a sandwich game. Uh, that is a tough game to go play in the middle of an SEC conference slate, and it's basically been a triage tent, especially in the secondary and on defense for Arkansas. So to be able to go out there against Jaron Hall, against Romney, Pico Nakua, Christopher Brooks, all those guys, and get a not only a win but a convincing win to get you back to 4-3, and, and a little bit of momentum, guys, mm-hmm. as we get to the other side. I, I wasn't so surprised that Arkansas won. I was surprised the way they kind of kicked their ass the whole game. I mean, you look between Rocket, Sanders, uh, every, and, and everybody else, the run was so good that the pass was was open. You had guys in the intermediate and the second level that were running wide open while the secondary was running with their pants down, trying to find out who hung it on the flagpole. Uh, so, Cone, how surprised were you that Arkansas was able to go in there and, and re- really saute BYU out there in uh, Utah
2: with what I've seen the last few weeks I was a little bit surprised I thought that um, BYU money line was a good pick here because Arkansas has been so banged up obviously this game you know five weeks ago we were a lot more excited about this we thought there could be a chance where these two teams meet unbeaten so neither have had the season that they were hoping for but a great football game in a great atmosphere too Jake Uh, without
1: a doubt Blaine you think the Hogs may be able to turn this into a little momentum here on the second half I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, any Sam Pittman coach team I believe in, and this was big for them. I thought their defense played better. I mean, their secondary has just been atrocious this year with the injuries and just, I mean, not, not the bunch of young guys out there trying to play. But, I mean, this is what happens when you have K.J. Jefferson. This is what happens when you have an experienced guy, at quarterback. You have an NFL running back in Rocket Sanders. And your mentality and your identity is we're going to kick your ass up front. And that's what you kind of saw with Arkansas. BYU has been a, a, a kind of a tough – a couple of weeks, kind of a tough stretch. They're kind of – they're a little bit beat up too, but I'm glad to see this not only for KJ Jefferson, but for for Coach Pittman, man. I've always been a fan of Coach Pittman and this Arkansas team, but they're based up front on both sides of the ball. So, if you drop a 50-piece on anybody, especially a good team like BYU, mm-hmm. you've got to walk away yeah. excited.
0: Definitely. All right, let's go and get to LSU and Florida guys surprised at the amount of points in this game. I thought this one uh, was was going to be uglier than, uh, you know, a a fat kid in a skirt contest. So uh, Jaden Daniels, six touchdowns, three through the air, three on the ground. Uh, He did push the ball down the field for Mm -hmm. the first time. All year and all we've done is come on the show and I've talked to LSU fans and I've gone on all the LSU shows that I go and I and we kept saying and even Brian Kelly came out and said Jaden Daniels has to push the ball down the field at one point a, a week ago. Hendon Hooker had no interceptions and Jane Daniels had no interceptions, but they went about it completely different. Uh, if you're LSU, you were getting no return on your investment because he wasn't taking advantage of, of the ball down the field. You weren't seeing Boutte deep. You weren't seeing neighbors deep. You weren't seeing Besh deep. There was no threat in that third level. So that's why it felt so hard on that second and primary level, whether it was running or passing. Uh, and, and if you're Florida uh, again, you know, you scored 35 points at home. That should be enough, uh, but defensively, LSU did exactly what they wanted to do. And, and you look at balance and you go through the numbers. Williams had over 100 yards rushing. Jaden Danos had a 350-piece passing, average, 11 yards per completion with three touchdowns and no interceptions. Bouté goes for over 100 yards. Everybody that could have beaten you that you cannot let beat you, beat you on that offense. They beat you exactly the way that LSU, probably the only way that LSU can score 45 points. They did it exact about the only way. There was a narrow path. There was a narrow runway there and you have to give credit to LSU, but if you're florida at what point do, you didn't make adjustments and you look in the second half it absolutely killed you i mean how much man are you going to run when Jane daniels is able to take off when the db's backs are turned and just run until nobody hits him for 20 yards mm-hmm. you didn't make adjustments
2: didn't make adjustments and all season jake we've been asking where's queshawn butte well there he is you hit the nail on the head over 100 yards receiving that helped a lot huge win for lsu
1: But this game was somewhat surprising to me if you'd have told me there had been 80 points scored in this game. And I mean, I would have said, go buy a lottery ticket because you got a better <laughs> chance of hitting that. But I'm, I'm glad to see this for LSU. And the biggest thing for me was the run game with them. I mean, you're averaging five yards a carry. I know Jane Daniels has been your main rusher, but you somewhat controlled the line of scrimmage. And that's a great thing for LSU to see. I knew this LSU team would grow. These guys are full of athletes on both sides of the ball. I don't think Florida played bad, but you just can't play a two half game. I mean, our one quarter game in the fourth quarter, about the closest they came to coming back in this game. You know, Anthony Richardson did great. I mean, running the ball, he always does. I would like to see more of the passing game, but he's going to grow into that. But I think this was a big win for Brian Kelly, um, kind of coming off what happened mm-hmm. last week against Tennessee. Um, LSU ne- needed this, but Florida bounced back. Uh, I still think Billy's doing a lot better job than I thought he would. So Florida would be fine.
0: Yeah, no, and and look, LSU's five and two right now. Yeah. Is it the prettiest five and two? Mm-hmm. No, but they are five and two. Uh, Florida goes to four and three. You saw some things maybe in the locker room getting posted on Instagram that they're looking at between a few Florida players. So this was kind of that. You know, more than halfway through the year, Mark, that extra hump to give you some momentum. But it seems like, too, every time LSU goes down to Florida, they beat them. Whether it's Marco Wilson throwing a shoe, whether it's Jaden Daniels throwing a fit and scoring six touchdowns, uh, it just seems like LSU has Florida's number on the road. But speaking about having their number, guys, Kentucky Mm -hmm. against Mississippi State, this was the biggest surprise of the whole day for me, Tennessee beating Alabama was not nearly as surprising as Kentucky uh, beating Mississippi State by 10 and Mississippi State only scoring 17 points. Now, we've talked about Mark Stoops and how he's upgraded the profile of Kentucky you know, straight out of the Beyonce playbook. But this Kentucky team isn't super explosive on offense and the defense is good, not great. It's It was shocking to me uh, to, to be able to, to – Watch Kentucky control the air raid, and, and Mike it was like Mike Leach and, and Will Rogers and them could just never really get started from the jump. It was like there, there was no rhythm. They weren't able to go fast. They weren't able to really control the line of scrimmage when they went slow. Uh, the best thing for them, like it is when the air raid struggles, was the back out of the backfield and the modified runs. Uh, you got to take your hat off. I mean, Chris Rodriguez coming back was obviously yep. huge for Kentucky. This was a very big win for Kentucky, and I think it does show you the di- how big of a difference it is when Will Levis is not in there as opposed to when he is and not just for the offense. See, the common misconception is, oh, well, the, you know, the offense, Will Levis isn't in there. So, you know, they're not going to be as confident. Well, yes defensively as well that 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 has something to do with it knowing that will levis is out there hey knowing at any point in time on offense we can score every play is huge not that they weren't playing hard when will levis wasn't able to play against south carolina but it does give you that little bit of a a shot in the arm of guys all we got to do is get will the ball back and we believe in this guy enough to go do it so that was my most surprising finish uh, of the day i had mississippi state going uh two and six in the sec that was the one i felt really kind of the 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 worst about um and looking at it this was kind of why i thought because they hit these ruts sometimes Mm -hmm. but they've been playing a lot better uh, than what i thought they were going to this year but how shocked were you cone that kentucky was only able or was able to win by double digits and hold mississippi state to 17
3: using the internet without express vpn is like not paying attention to a safety demonstration on a flight most of the time you'll probably be fine but what if one day that yellow mask drops down and you don't know what to do with it It's better to be safe than sorry, and the same applies to your online activity. Every time you connect to an encrypted network in a cafe, hotel, or airport, any hacker on the same network can access your personal data, including your passwords and financial details. And it doesn't take much for hackers to hack. All you gotta have is some cheap hardware. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal information on the dark web. But ExpressVPN creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that hackers can't steal your sensitive data. It's so secure it would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. I love how easy it is to use ExpressVPN. All you got to do is fire up the app and click one button to get protected. Plus, it works across all your devices, your phone, laptop, tablets, and more. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com wire. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com wire to get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com wire.
2: I, I was very surprised and I thought if Kentucky did win the football game it would be more high scoring Chris Rodriguez went for 197 I'll tell you what surprised me even more six false start penalties for Mississippi State mm-hmm. you know that Kentucky crowd was really into it and of the 17 points you're talking about seven of those came with that Emmanuel Forbes pick six late in the game on fourth down so really Kentucky even held Mississippi State more in check than the score makes it seem you guys know how I feel about Mike Leach man he's a national treasure I love this guy I hope he coaches uh, at Mississippi State, or just coaches anywhere for a long, long time, but this always happens, right? He's going to come out, and he's going to beat two, maybe even three teams that he quote unquote shouldn't, and then they're going to lose two or three games that they quote unquote uh, should win. And so, I, you know, I don't know what to expect from Mississippi State moving forward the rest of the season because it's you know they went down to LSU. I thought they could win that game, they didn't. They'll go on the road to Kentucky, they lost that football game. So if if Will Levis stays healthy for Kentucky, I still think that they can do some damage in the east and then mississippi state look i think alabama has them next week right yeah so let's see that's one of those ones where it's like would it surprise you if mississippi state goes on the road and and beats kentucky but then somehow figures out a way to beat alabama this is what mike leach does yeah yeah loses to kentucky and finds a way to beat Alabama. That's, we all
0: know we all know exactly what you meant yeah that's uh, I, I mean. we do got a question from a sad Finns fan uh do you think will levis's talents will translate to the nfl uh, you know i i Here's here's my thing with Will Levis. Uh, he has all the talent in the world. He's a big guy. He's he can move uh, and, and he can throw while he's moving. I think a lot of it for Will is mental. I think and, and look, this team at Kentucky this year is not the team from last year. He doesn't have Wandell Robinson, who was a great compliment off Josh Ali and obviously Chris Rodriguez. This team is built a little bit different offensively. Don't let that make you think that Will Levis is worse than he was last year. I think he continues to improve. I think he's taken some of these young receivers and elevated them. Again, remember they didn't have Chris Rodriguez for the first three, four weeks of the season. Now he's able to come back, really give you that extra oomph in the run game to set up that play action. I think Will Levis will be a good NFL quarterback. I think he's going to be a little bit of a better version of what Mitch Trubisky is. I don't think he is a a elite quarterback in the NFL, but I think he'll be a little bit more of what people thought Mitch Trubisky was going to be.
1: Bust. If bust? you take him the first round, the kid's a bust. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You take him the first round, the kid's a bust. I mean, I, if anything like, like bust, Trubisky, bust I'll, how I'll, I'll take. Um, but I, the Will Levis, I mean, right now, I know he's banged up. I mean, I thought he broke his toe, separated his shoulder, hurt his ankle. I mean, he'll learn not to take hits. But some of his throws, he's still missing. We go back to last year. I know he had Wandell, But he still missed a lot, a lot of passes we expected him to fix this year. And it still hasn't got a lot better, at least to my being a top five pick. You're you're projected the number four pick in the draft. There's no way I'm taking I'm definitely taking Hendon Hooker before you, to be honest. Um, but I think the kid will be a bust if so you take him the first round. But this was a Kentucky game written all over it. I mean, you're Mississippi State. I don't know how you're going to win the game with 22 rushing yards, to be honest, when I mean, you're not yeah. going to win. You're not going to win.
2: Yeah, I don't see first round pick when I see Will Levis either. But then again, I thought the same thing about uh, Justin Herbert, you know, at Oregon. The big kid, athletic, strong arm. Will that necessarily translate to being a great passer in the NFL? And that one sure has worked out. So if he could take a similar leap as a Justin Herbert or maybe even a Josh Allen type who develops once he gets into the NFL, uh, then certainly, you know, I, I think it's possible. I just I'm with you, Blaine. I don't see a top five pick right now when I see the kid.
1: I saw he's projected number four on McShay's board. I saw that too. Four. I saw uh, that I, too. You could pick up a handful of quarterbacks, almost who I think right now are better than Will Levis. I mean, and half of them are in the SEC. I mean, I know Will Rogers might have lost this game and looked bad, but I'm still taking Will Rogers over him.
2: Yeah, that was. I thought that was one of Will's worst games yesterday, but I, I, I agree with you. He can he can sure spin it.
1: Okay, let's go to some of these donations here. Let's go to Sonny H, a dollar ninety nine cent donation. He says cones. Woo! Just earned some money. Thanks, guys. A little Ric Flair for you, right there, Dave.
2: Ooh, woo! Nature boy.
1: I love it. Let's go to Brad David. A little four dollar ninety nine cent donation. He says, "Do y'all think Deion Sanders' strong personality will prevent him from getting a better job?" I don't know if you saw that video on Twitter, but it's Deion Sanders. No, you talking about cool.
2: the one where he was where he was telling the guy to interview him in a different way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah I saw that.
1: What do you think, Dave? You think that'll stop him from getting a big-time job?
2: For some schools, but I think other schools will like that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for for any school that would say, hey, you know, we don't want uh, Deion Sanders here because it's just too big of a personality or maybe he'll go rogue, I think another school would look at that and say that's exactly what we want here. Uh, You know, I think, wait, you're big on him getting the Auburn job, aren't you? Yeah, come
1: on. I want a guy on the Aflac commercials. (laughs) I want someone sitting there right next to Saban. We'll recruit a lot better. The only thing I have to do is hire some good coordinators, and we should be okay. I mean, it could be anything worse than now.
2: And that's what it comes down to. As an athletic director, yeah, you want you know, you know want to know exactly what you're getting from a guy every day. You don't want something to pop up in the media that you're not prepared for. But, you know, the flip side of that is a big personality gets what? Big-time recruits. So it's
1: either, it's either him or Kiffin, the guy who just beat Auburn.
2: <laughs> all right all right guys uh sorry
0: had a little technical difficulties there I, I think it was the russians or the chinese i don't know which one to blame so i'm going to blame both of them uh did we move on to the big 10 yet
2: not nope. yet we were talking about if deon sanders personality will keep him from getting a big time coaching job i
0: i think it's got to be the right fit but i, I don't think deon sanders is going to leave jackson state for anything else than florida state right now i mean he's the same one who went on there it was like i'm hbcu for life Like that's for life. And and the only one that would make sense is if Florida State or the one that that everybody would understand is if Florida State uh, came calling. Uh, So I appreciate that question there, Brad. Uh, All right, guys, let's go ahead to the Big Ten. We got to start with Cone's alma mater, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, First half. Penn State stayed in it. I got to give the defense some credit in the red zone. They really bowed up or would kept Michigan to a couple field goals early uh, to keep them in that game. And then you could see what happened. Sean Clifford uh, takes off on a zone read. Nobody gets the quarterback. He takes it inside the five. They're able to score. And then you have the defensive touchdown that gives them the lead but you just had the feeling cone watching this game that Michigan was dominating this game in every aspect except just punching the ball in the end zone inside the 10 yard line and and after a a short space of time gravity was going to take effect and that's what we saw in the second half but what stood out to you the most about the way Michigan was able to dominate a Penn State team that had you know a quarterback as as veteran as there is and and had been undefeated coming in
2: controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football not just Michigan's offense but also on defense but speaking about the offense the time of possession that surprised me too I mean we had the ball for like you know 40 something minutes Uh, it was just it was incredible to watch Uh, I, I did say watch for the turnover battle and then that pick six that JJ McCarthy threw that led to the game being closer in the first half than it should have been but you know they rushed for 416 like I said Blake Corman Donovan Edwards went for a combined 339 that that combo is incredible I think you know, one concern is is JJ McCarthy's inaccuracy in the short game this time. We've seen mm-hmm. him be inaccurate, inaccurate throwing the football downfield in the bubble game. He missed a couple keys um, that were bad football throws to me. And why that's important is because as these teams like Penn State start to sell out on the run with Blake Coram, you're going to want to get the ball out of your hand to yes. Roman Wilson and to Ronnie Bell quicker. That's going to be such a lethal. Um, um, Play off of the uh, off of the run game that Michigan has. So those passes need to be a little crisper to me. I think he was better uh, in the second half on that. But him throwing on the run is so impressive to me. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid can really sling the football on the run. So uh, a huge win for Michigan just to dominate the game like that and especially control the line of scrimmage.
1: Without a doubt, I love it. Well, the thing about it now we can talk about. I mean, it's not that Michigan hadn't played anybody, all right? Because I think Penn State was a legitimate top ten team. I mean, they physically dominated everybody they played, and Michigan physically dominated them on both sides of the ball. And you go back to it; I mean, the first the first half of this game, that Michigan could put the ball in the end zone, this score'd have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Penn State did bow up a little in the red zone. I think Michigan might have kicked two field goals when they should have scored touchdowns. But I'm just so impressed. I think Quorum has to be obviously right now Heisman talk, at least the Heisman finalists. I don't think Not just three. All quarterbacks out there, this kid's special. Even y'all's backup's extremely good. But my biggest thing was just y'all's D-line got after it, man. Y'all got after it, and that's going to be so big because half the time I get to the problem is when I watch Michigan, all right, I just I just compare them to Ohio State. Yeah. That's what I do. That's what I do when I watch Michigan. What can they do against Ohio State? And what did y'all do last year? Y'all physically whooped Ohio State. And it's starting to roll a little bit, that ball, and watching well, Michigan – somewhat do this again because if y'all can control the beat a team like ohio state you have to control the line of scrimmage and if you can do that if you can turn around and hand the ball off instead of throwing it 40 times a game with a new quarterback you have a chance to win but i was super impressed with michigan just physically dominating penn state Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i want to say this too i do think michigan this year and it goes back to harbaugh having to make the decision with jj mccarthy now if Michigan's able to get to that playoff game, you have a quarterback that can make special plays against special defenses that you just couldn't last year. Last year, everything had to be blocked upright. The route had to be run perfectly. The running back had to hit it exactly where it was supposed to, and the play had to go exactly like the play designed. But it seems like with J.J. McCarthy, his level of athleticism, you can get away with broken plays. Now, not only that, you can turn a broken play into a beautiful play. And those are – when you see the teams that have beaten, just for example, the Alabamas in the past for the Natty, who did they have? Even Stetson Bennett. Is, has a little witch in him outside of the pocket, extending the play, being able to run. Uh, but Clemson, with Deshaun Watson, guys that could run, guys that could extend the play, uh, and and everything didn't have to go perfect. It seems to me that this Michigan team can win even when the play doesn't go perfect. And if you're Penn State, it's, this is just who you are now. But let's be honest. I asked the question on social media during the week, why is nobody talking more about Penn State? And, and after looking at it, just like every year, Penn State builds up their profile and the first chance they get to make a big move, they lose it. Right now, that is who Penn State is. Penn State is like like the girl you see that just uh, in, in in the club, in the bar, whatever. Who just put makeup all over herself, like and from far away looked good. And for the first hour, you're trying to get her attention, but then she comes closer, and you realize she basically just splashed her face in a bowl of makeup, and it's not real. What's underneath isn't as beautiful as what we thought. Penn State is just overrated. That's just who they are in big games. I'm sorry. I hate to be that guy, but like we said, you know, if there wasn't tough love, there'd be no love at all on this side. So I'm I'm sorry for Penn State. You paid James Franklin everything you guys had in the vault, and you're gonna just have basically the same year out. And I know it's it's they've fallen off a cliff, you know, no pun intended, the past couple of years. But I mean, this this team continues to just underperform in big moments. If the shoe fits, wear it. If the dress fits, wear it wear it if the hat fits definitely wear it but well, Cone, they'll get, some, uh, they'll the get some
2: more opportunities this season I mean they still have the Buckeyes ahead of them they still have some big games they're going to have Michigan State so I think that they can still finish strong and maybe they pull an upset or two in some of those games um, back to you talking about J.J. McCarthy being lethal with the run game I'll tell you something else we saw yesterday for really the first time was him pulling it on the zone read in mm. key moments which is going to be I mean that that is such a huge factor if teams start to sell out on Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards being able able for J.J. McCarthy to pull that zone read, especially on on third and short or, 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 or second and short, uh, to keep that football and get first down. So we saw that yesterday, and, and that's another wrinkle I think Michigan will add.
0: For sure. All right, let's keep moving here. Purdue's able to to beat Nebraska. Another nice win for Purdue. You're looking at that Big Ten West cone. They looked a little bit out of it early. Uh, I know Syracuse is in the ACC, but the way they lost that game uh, and that kind of bad stretch they went through, but it looks like they've righted the ship a little bit. Coach Braum and them over there with a nice win. I know Nebraska doesn't have a true head coach, but they're playing with nothing to lose. Michigan State, Mel Tucker, they needed this one. Beats Wisconsin uh, by six. Uh, Michigan State has struggled. Jim Leonard's the interim coach after Paul Crist uh, was let go at Wisconsin, uh, and and Jim I think is going to be the head coach at Wisconsin at the end of the day, but. Nobody needed this more than Michigan State. Speaking about extensions, you just gave Mel Tucker all the money that you guys had too, and and it looked like you'd fallen off a cliff. It really looked like without Kenneth Walker, it's amazing how mortal Peyton Thorne and the rest of that offense was. We know about the defense last year leading the league in sacks, but being the worst team in the league on third down. That's incredible, and that is uh, that is true, Dub Jr. We're going to get to Ole Miss. I have it written down here in one second, uh, but just want to make sure we throw that out there. Before we get to Illinois, though, Cone, mm-hmm. uh, Auburn and Ole Miss, uh, I want to hit this really quick. You knew Ole Miss was going to win the game. Defensively, they kind of slept through it. Auburn was able to run the ball against Ole Miss about better than, than they have against anybody this year. Tank Bigsby was able to put up big numbers, but Ole Miss just continues to win. I mean, do we think this t- Ole Miss team is elite? I don't. Do I think this Ole Miss team is one that's going to challenge to win the West truly? I don't. But Lane Kiffin has got Ole Miss in the limelight and relevant again. And they're undefeated. Quinshot Junkins, uh, hell of a player. That, that dude's going to be a, a three-year mm-hmm. player at Ole Miss and then gone. But it seemed like Jackson Dart in the run game really stepped mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Because what was our knock against Jackson Dart? He doesn't see linebackers in pass coverage. I mean, he uh, you go watch the tape on Jackson Dart. It, he can see the safeties. He can see the nickel. Uh, uh, who I guess you could consider a linebacker. I could always considered him a DB, uh, especially when you're playing it packaged. But it seems to me like Ole Miss is a good quality football team, guys. The question is, how good? How quality? What is their ceiling? And can this team beat
1: Alabama? Go ahead, Blaine. Yes, uh, I do think. I mean, right now with Alabama's defense, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Really, you can look at a lot of teams at SEC and say, I don't know how they don't have a chance. I mean, you saw the difference between one coach getting a quarterback out of the transfer portal, another one not, um, and um, Ole Miss outplayed Auburn and outcoached him. I mean, you go back to that onside kick, what a call by Lane Kiffin, first of all, just an absolute beautiful call. And you can tell this to film. It's the way Auburn was playing back. kickoff return didn't make sense. But this Ole Miss team, it's always this Ole Miss team is defense. was not a defense to me. How good is your defense? it's been in break defense, I understand you're getting turnovers to a certain extent. I can't really use a barometer when you play against a, a an Auburn team with a quarterback who really ha- can't really throw the ball or go through progressions. I know he looks somewhat better. But this defense for Ole Miss, especially in the box, what I'm most worried about. Lane with offense, I'll never be worried about. I'll mm-hmm. never be worried about it ever because he's just an absolute guru when it comes schematics of the offensive game. But it was a good win for them. But I still their, – their stretch right now is going to be tough. They still got A&M, Arkansas – lsu bama so i still wait to see they play a a, kind of an upper echelon team in the sec to figure it out
2: okay i continue to be so impressed with the run game from lane kiffin that's what always surprised me you think of lane kiffin you think a quarterback's throwing the football around the yard and getting a lot of yardage but it's the run game to me yesterday three rushers with over 100 yards three rushers that is that is that's top-notch football and when I when I look at this Ole Miss team I don't think that they're in that top five to me right now I put them down you know I think that they're more in line with like a TCU battling it out for that last undefeated spot Uh, the question guys is would you put Ole Miss right now unbeaten ahead of a one-loss Bama if you were if you were ranking that next six through ten
0: no I would I would I would. Where, where do they play that game? That's one you know Dub Junior. Where do they play that game? Do they play that game in Oxford? That's that's the biggest question. Because oh, if yeah, they do, weird. Alabama's going to go get thirty penalties.
2: I have it here. They play yes. at, at they play at Ole Miss.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: After playing, you, can at we LSU. Go, go through?
0: Let's go through Ole Miss's schedule real quick, guys. We're okay. really really quick.
2: All right, you ready? Here it is. Yep. All right, so they just beat Auburn. Now they go at they go to LSU. Ooh. They go to Texas A and M. They have Alabama at home. Okay. They go to Arkansas. Yeah. And then the Egg Bowl is in Oxford. Yeah, I don't think you're going
0: undefeated through that stretch. Uh, mm-hmm. If you were to lose one game through that stretch, mm-hmm. I mean, you might as well start building a statue of Lane Kiffin now. Uh, not not that Ole Miss it couldn't beat Alabama. That's not why I'm saying that. But you got to go on the road to those three games at LSU at Arkansas, at a and I mean, I mean, I know Haynes King is, is in there now uh, since Max Johnson hurt his hand, but I, I just don't see Ole Miss being able to survive that three games. You want to go two and one. You really just hope for two and one, Dub Jr. Uh, that, that That's what I would be praying for. All right, guys. Uh, Going to quicken up the pace a little bit. Going to pull a Josh Hypo here. Illinois beats Minnesota. Ooh. I just want to give another shout out to Brett Bielema. I've been gassing these guys up every oh, week, man. and they keep coming through for the kid. I'm an idiot for taking the under at 38 for the plus money. It hit for 39. I should have just took in Illinois straight up to win at plus 150. I knew I should have done it. Looked in the mirror, looked at myself, made a deal with myself, ended up lying to myself. And you know what? I'll never forgive myself for that. So we're ha- we're having, it was a, a split argument earlier. Uh, but look, Chase Brown, we got to start talking a little bit about Heisman for this guy. Mm-hmm. I know Illinois is not going to probably push for the playoff, but they are 6-1. and one. They're going to be a top 20 team. All Chase Brown does is get yards. Had 180 on the ground yesterday, 53 receiving yards and a touchdown. The, du- the dude is a butterfat Lando Legs, whatever you want to call it. Every time he gets out there, they have a great package for him. Ryan Walters, the D.C. uh, at Illinois up-and-coming superstar. Guys, did you know that nobody had scored a touchdown against Illinois at home until yesterday? They finally did it. That's how dominant this Illinois defense has been. Uh, They took a few shots from Minnesota, who is a quality ball club, even though they've kind of pulled a post Malone and and, uh, fallen apart here lately. Uh, But I think Illinois is a legitimate team that when we look at the west guys the big 10 west it looks like
2: illinois and purdue right now and i need to look to see when those schedule. two play each other uh, i'm sure they do i have the schedule right here i'm so impressed by this illinois team It's been top five statistically in defense for most of the season and now look at this boys they go to nebraska all right that game's winnable they have michigan state at home winnable. that game's winnable and then you have a back-to-back where you host purdue You host Purdue, and then they go to Michigan. Now, keep in mind, remember we were pointing out, Purdue doesn't have Michigan. Purdue doesn't have the Buckeyes. And then Illinois will finish uh, at Northwestern. So, I don't know. I'm starting Mm. to feel more and more like Illinois could really win that side of the Big Ten, fellas.
0: Yep. I feel like we – do we have another donation,
1: Blame we had not called out? Yeah, we got a couple in here. Let's Um, do it. Let's go. Justin Decker with a $5 uh, donation. What's up, Justin? He says, as an Auburn fan, I enjoy the Bama fans crying and whining just as much when Auburn wins.
0: Well, that's what makes the rivalries great. It's, it's the truth. It's the human condition. Making, seeing somebody I hate being upset makes me happy. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. You know what? When I see Xi Jinping and he's looking upset, that makes me feel good inside. When I see Vladimir Putin, he looks a little bit distracted, maybe a little bit nervous. That gets me excited. I want him to be let down. I want it to hurt for you. I want you to wake up asking why. I'm going to be honest. I, I love my fiance very much. But literally, she woke up this morning, rolled over and looked at me and said, Why? Why did Alabama lose to Tennessee? And I looked at her and said, Because God is good. Because he's good, Reed. Anyway, no, I didn't say that. I said, Listen, can I do anything for you? Well, it's good. Guys, guys, let's be honest. Okay. Number one, if you're an Alabama fan, don't get upset. You've won a ton you've won a ton you can't look this isn't a dylan got Hulk hands and i got a rawhide wallet situation okay you've gotten Hulk hands every single year for like the last 15 years so uh, but but i think it's an overall picture we have more teams now that are mm-hmm. capable of winning than we've had in a long long time yeah. which is so good for college football and timing is everything in life right timing is everything as we move to what looks like a 12 team playoff having more parity now is going to only make those games so much better it's going to be absolutely delicious but blaine do we have another do before we move to the big yeah let's out. go to yep.
1: malcolm martin coney dollar 99 cent M&M. Donation. M&M. So do you think bama will still end up in the playoff
2: I I don't see it right now, and it's not necessarily because of this one loss. It's just because I haven't – it feels like on the road, they have not been playing solid football. But we saw that last season as well, right? Remember that second half at Florida? Things kind of fell apart there. They still got a win. I don't know. When I see this Alabama team, I don't see a team that's necessarily going to make the playoffs or compete for a national championship the way they have. But I did look up something today of Nick Saban's seven national championships. Only two of those was he undefeated. Five of those were one-loss teams. Maybe this is that one loss. Maybe they still win the West. They go to the SEC championship game, beat Georgia like they did last year, or maybe yeah. they'll get a rematch with Tennessee, win that one, and go. And Nick Saban puts another ring on his finger. Like, guys, it is entirely possible. But, Jake, I had the same conversation with Darby Lou that you had with Reed. I said, I know this this loss hurts right now, but this is good for college football. And now it'll actually mean something again when you beat Tennessee, because you haven't known what it's like to lose to Tennessee in this rivalry. So, this is good for college football. I, you know, I still think Alabama can obviously Blaine win the national championship. You can never count this man out. You can never count this program yeah. out. But they just don't look like. I mean, with the penalties and you mm-hmm. know, I don't know the status of Bryce Young. He looked healthy yesterday, but mm-hmm. one hit on that shoulder could knock him out. And this is an entirely different team.
0: I, are we just Blaine? Are we talking ourselves into like? To something and then it's going to happen just like I did last year. I mean, but like, are we, are we getting, it doesn't feel that way. All right. But are we getting, you remember when Bama lost to a that was a little bit different kind of the way that went down. And obviously that Bama team was different, but are we over here getting excited and just going to absolutely have exactly what happened last year? Like, cause right now, if you look, if you look, it's setting up very similarly to last year. Bama mm. took that loss in the middle of the season. George is undefeated. Georgia gets past Tennessee, and they got them at home. They're going to the SEC Championship. I don't think Alabama is able to escape the rest of the season without another regular season loss, but if they do and they beat Georgia, they will be going to the playoff, and Georgia will be going to the playoff, and if Michigan and Ohio State are both undefeated, it's going to be very, very interesting, guys, if it comes down to a similar situation as last year, but all of a sudden, Clemson's undefeated. Our TCU UCLA. is undefeated. Mm-hmm. UCLA, which there's a the last hope in the PAC 12. Yep. We're going to get to that after USC pulled off the, 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 the uh, Shaggy and Scooby and Velma pulled off the mask of USC, uh, who would have gotten away with it as a top 10
1: team. If it wasn't for those meddling kids from Utah and Cameron rising. Yeah. A couple things here. One, I know three guys who were talking about USC that they didn't believe in their defense and caught some flack. I know. Three oh, guys who hell of flack on the show. And two, um the one thing I tweeted after this game was over is like Bama will probably still make the playoffs. Um, yeah, I watched did. Auburn beat Alabama, lose the SEC championship, then watch Alabama win the national championship. So I'm never ever going to count these guys out of making yeah. the playoffs, but it, it's going to come down to the field. All right. Uh, what 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 one lost team are you going to pick? Because um, Michigan yeah. Ohio State's going to have one. Yeah. Um, I mean if Georgia doesn't have one, then you go in the go into the realm of, well, Bama's loss was out on the road at a number six Tennessee team. To um maybe Ohio State was lost. Was that is it at Ohio State or at Michigan this year? It's at, at Ohio State. Yeah,
2: it's in the horseshoe, man.
1: Okay, so then Michigan's loss would be to a one Ohio State team. So I mean, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> I think Clemson's not going to lose a game. Yeah, Syracuse is the only chance. uh Other than that, it's going to get interesting comes down the stretch
2: i saw yeah. the tweet yesterday about alabama and it was you know you're good when the entire country is pulling for you to lose yeah you know yeah. and that's, that's just how track. dominant they've been here's my question for you guys if you're an alabama fan would you rather see georgia or tennessee in the sec championship because it's hard to be is it's hard to beat alabama period it's really hard to beat them twice would you want to get your revenge shot on a neutral site against tennessee or try your hand at georgia
0: I, I'd want to get my revenge shot on a neutral side against Tennessee, if I were Alabama, to, to try and restore order, uh, in, in my opinion. I do want to say Ken Foster says, Illinois sucks. The Big Ten is overrated and overhyped because you morons fall for the same crap. Uh, have you seen Illinois lately? Uh, it, this, this isn't even just about anybody else other than Illinois. Illinois has typically been a doormat here lately. So compared to the other Illinois teams, this team does not suck. He is one of the best one, Ken. That take sucks that Illinois sucks. But is Illinois gonna win the national championship? No. Is the Big Ten the best conference in my opinion in the country? No. I think it's the second best. The Big 12 has made a good argument this year. Uh, I think a little bit on that when you look at the depth. But then you look at the Big Ten East. I could make the argument the Big Ten East is the best division in college football. I mean, you just look at the NFL draft, Ken. I say the same thing about when people make fun of the SEC. We'll look at the NFL draft. Who's second in the NFL draft? It's the Big Ten. So you can have your own thoughts on, on Illinois. Uh, you you said the Big Ten has one decent team, the Buckeye. And they are overhyped every year, Uh, Ken. They're they're the one of the only teams outside of the SEC team that's won a national championship in the last fifteen years. If that's the case, then everybody else sucks outside the two or three teams that have won it. Ken, Ken, I think this is about something else. Yeah, Ken, are you all right, buddy? Heard
1: about something, Ken? And it's okay. We're in the trust tree. Just look. You
0: can be honest with us, bud. Like who who hurt you? Are you an Iowa fan? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's something. Did something. Somebody hurt you. Show me on the doll where Crane and Co. touched you. All right, here. Let's uh let's continue to move on. Oklahoma yesterday. Uh, Dylan Gabriel comes yeah. back. Uh, you you knew the offense was going to look different than when they got shut out last year. Now, I thought maybe this game. Since it was two really high profile offenses, Josh Bean does have experience for Kansas. But Dylan Gabriel coming back, they have been slow at times with Dylan Gabriel. I thought maybe this game may start out slow, but that was not the case at all. They literally kicked the ball off, and everybody started scoring touchdowns. I mean, the over was almost hit by halftime, and it was like 77. Uh, and it was it, it was a great game. Uh, Oklahoma ended up taking over there at the end. I thought them being able uh to run the ball uh was the difference. Kansas kind of struggled a little bit. Josh Bean tried to create stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh it's a nice win for Oklahoma. Kansas probably gonna be knocked out of the top twenty five. But guys, like I said a couple weeks ago, Kansas has already won. House money. Kansas has yeah. Kansas has already won. I mean, it's the truth. It just you've already won the season. And Ulysses Cameron, we've been talking about Tennessee the whole time, dog. Let's keep going.
2: Hey, I wanted to say one thing. Dylan Gabriel, 21 for 29, 304. That was at halftime.
1: That
2: was at yeah. halftime. <laughs> Eric Gray, 10 rushes for 124 and two TDs. That was at halftime. Like, they were just putting on a
1: clinic. It, was, it was like going
0: to a Globetrotters game.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma fans, now you can calm down. Calm down. Back away from that ledge a little bit. Back away. <laughs> yeah. Just calm Skid down. Back. It's gonna take some time. <laughs> yeah. You're figuring out that's a good win against a good Kansas team. I know it's a backup quarterback. That kid's not bad. This just calm down. Venable's got y'all. All right. Just let it happen. Y'all want some donos?
0: Yeah, yeah, hit, hit a couple donuts And look, so, we Jordan- may talk five minutes of baseball here, okay? I may get a little bit of Brave stuff off my chest, but the Dodgers did lose as well, uh, and the Mets weren't even in it. So I'm not su- as pissed as what I would be. And yeah, <laughs> Ken about- said, Ken said you touched me. Emotionally, Ken. Emotionally. In the eyes of the law, that's a big difference between me touching you emotionally nice. than physically, but you know we love you, buddy. All right, uh, go ahead, Brian.
1: Talk to my lawyer, Ken. All right, uh, let's go. Jordan <laughs> Kilgo, ninety nine cent donation. He says, is Tennessee's offensive line top five in the SEC? Yes, sir, it is. Uh, well, look, look I, I want
0: to say Tennessee has a good offensive line. All right, but that system they run, it's a lot easier on offensive linemen if you're in shape. Okay, you have to be in shape to operate at that pace. But think about it. The defense is pretty much worn out. Once you get into the third quarter, so you're able to push them around a little bit more, but the ball you're getting rid of the ball so quickly. Most of the time, because what does Tennessee do when they start going that NASCAR pace, right? They're in the shotgun, typically 10 personnel. they like to go doubles. They're spitting the bubble screen. They're spitting the now they're spitting the slant. They're spitting the hitch. And then they hit you deep. So what what is the defensive line used to seeing? Well, they're going to give inside zone. They're trying to give me play action. Uh, I have to believe it now because they do have a legitimate running game. That's one of the reasons they were able to score those points at will. Like they were against, Alabama was because because of balance but it's a ton of short game that's what Tennessee's that's what Tennessee's really doing it's a ton of short game passes with some runs a mobile quarterback and then they hit you deep so as an offensive lineman you're facing defensive linemen that are already tired they're having to move laterally the whole game you're running trying to run 120 plays a game and you're getting rid of the ball quick so it's a great system to be in if you're an offensive lineman but you have to be in shape and that's the truth
1: All right, let's go to Cap Echo, a $4.99 donation. Appreciate it, Cap, for you not capping on this donation. He says, when Penn State's rush defense overrated, are Michigan O-line just that elite, David Cohn? You know, I don't think Penn State was overrated because – I was I was looking at a, a,
2: a common game, right? And that's Auburn. They went into the Plains and beat Auburn as badly as Georgia beat them in between the hedges. So I think Penn State, and we saw what Penn State was able to do on the road again against a good Purdue team. So I don't think Penn State was overrated. Uh, I don't think they played their best football yesterday. I was surprised with how Michigan was able to dominate the line of scrimmage. But I think this Michigan team, especially up front, is, is very solid. And uh, this is Michigan's identity. They want to run the football. I was telling you guys this. You know, you think of Jim Harbaugh, is someone who wants to just throw the football around and who used to coach Andrew Luck and all this stuff. Michigan wants to run the football. They want this to be their DNA. It's it's completely different from, say, what the Buckeyes do when you're going to see C.J. Stroud throw it all around the yard and put up 70 points. Michigan wants to control the time of possession. They did that yesterday. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They did that yesterday.
1: All right, Dub Jr., $2 donation. He says, y'all forgot to mention my 7-0 Ole Miss. Uh, that's
2: what. Yeah, we, we
0: talked about, we it after, though. We talk about it after. We talked about it after. Dub right, Junior D- knows what's up.
1: Dylan Meadows, $4.99 donation. Appreciate it, Dylan. He says, ranked Tennessee number one wins against ranked Pitt, Florida, LSU, and Alabama. No more questions or photos, please and thank you. So I, you got a legitimate you, argument. I mean, you got a legitimate argument. Who, who's who's beaten a better schedule?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I mean, who? Uh, let's be honest. Um, Uh, I mean, another team we're going to talk about in a second, you look at TCU. TCU has some pretty nice wins as well. Georgia obviously going on the road and beating Oregon. That win looks better each week that Oregon continues to play better with mm -hmm. Bo Nix out there. But, I mean, Dylan, I don't think in the past you would be talking out of your ass. Like, nobody would believe you. This season, though, with what we've seen from Tennessee, offense, defense, and special teams winning games in multiple ways – being able to go on the road and watch that offense have success, you should beat your chest a little bit. But, but logically, it makes sense. It's hard to argue against it right now. You can say whatever you want about Tennessee in the past, but this team, snapshot in time right now, is as good as I've seen Tennessee uh, since I can remember, since Gerald Riggs was toting the rock, you know, and all 19 of the Clausens were going through there. <laughs> so I, I think you can legitimately say that. Uh, Dylan, but guys, I do want to move. Let's stay in the Big 12 here. Uh, we've hit the SEC, uh, hit the Big 10. We'll, we'll, again, you throw a donation. We're going to answer the question. Uh, but TCU, huge comeback win, guys, 43-40 to over Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State. God, this weekend just delivered, man. I mean, it just absolutely <laughs> delivered. It was a Papa John's weekend. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was definitely not a DiGiorno weekend. This was delivery, buddy. Uh, but when you look, guys, we talk about the Heisman, right? Max Duggan, is he a guy we have to start throwing in there a little bit because he is one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the country Mm -hmm. that really nobody's still talking about? And nobody's really talking about TCU. It kind of reminds me of – you remember when like Jake Locker and Washington made it in the playoff and people were talking about Washington, but everybody was expecting them to lose, but they just never lost and then got in the playoff and then got shoved in a proverbial locker by Bama – But they made the playoff. When I look at this TCU team, Blaine, can can one of y'all bring up TCU the rest of their schedule, please? Uh, This is a team that I think is more complete than what people think. I know they gave up 40 uh, 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 to Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State, I mean, with Spencer Sanders and the guys operating that offense, it's not shocking to see Oklahoma State score. But they found a way to win with the Aliens at receiver that they have. Again, I said it on Friday's live show. Remember, guys, we go live 730 to 9 Eastern every weekday morning, so make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button as well. Yeah, we do got more hackers than the, than the middle of the swordfish movie, but uh we'll get that fixed in the chat. But, guys, when you look at, at TCU, is this a team, Blaine? Read through their schedule. Do we think TCU can actually go undefeated and win
1: the Big 12 here? All right, yeah, let's walk through it. All right, this uh coming up weekend, they got Kansas State at home. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, Ranked 17. You go to West Virginia. West Virginia with a big win. Then you got Texas Tech at home. Then you go to Texas. All right. Then you go to Baylor. All mm. right. Then you have Iowa State at home. So we're really going to figure out down the stretch about about, about this Tennessee, uh, this TCU team. I mean, the offense is there, but the defense is worrisome. All right. That's what it is. But it's the Big 12, guys. It's the Big 12. So we'd be surprised realistically if they run run through the Big 12 and win it out. No. Hey, well,
0: the Big 12 is a defensive conference now. Bite your tongue. All right, but your tongue. <laughs> You're right. Uh, they made <laughs> they made that switch. Uh no, nah, Blaine. All joking aside, I'd probably give him about a 25-30% chance to be able to mm-hmm. run through that gauntlet. Uh the game's on the road. You know Baylor's going to be chomping at the bit, but Baylor doesn't have Blake Shapin anymore. You do have a backup quarterback. Can TCU just go find ways to outscore him? Because this isn't 2021 Baylor. Uh we're watching teams be able to move the ball on Baylor pretty much at will when they want to. Uh, even Iowa State had some success to get <laughs> some. Uh but Cone, speaking of Iowa State. This was a game, Iowa State and Texas. It's when you go against a 3-3-5 team, okay? It's like the the defense's version of the triple option. Right. You see a bunch of four down. You see some three down that becomes four down. But with that three, three, five stack, it's something you don't have a lot of time to prepare for. It's way different. You can it's It's like when the wind blows through a knife store, it can kill you from any point. You don't know left, right, middle. They can bring anything from any place. Hell, they'll drop somebody out of a helicopter halfway through the third quarter uh, with that defense. So anytime you can survive it and win the game. Uh, it, it slows down the game. It mucks up the game. And Iowa State jumped Texas a little bit. But, guys, I had the over at 51. Was feeling great about it the whole game. It was ugly early. Texas didn't score in the first quarter. 14-7 at half. You know, Iowa State's a little bit offensively challenged, uh, especially through the air uh, with, with Hunter Decker, who's typically an upper Decker when it comes to passing the ball. But he found uh, found the rhythm yesterday. Uh, you like that one, Blaine? Yeah. Um, but the under did hit, thank goodness, under uh, 51, because one more touchdown would have got me, but Texas survives. Quinn Ewers looked a little shaky early, mm-hmm. missed some throws, but made the plays when they needed them, and Bijan Robinson, guys, yep. I've seen a lot of really good backs. This guy is going to make a lot, a lot of money. I know we talked about Jameer Gibbs, and he had a great game against Tennessee, but Bijan Robinson just does the- – you talk about cutting – you talk about lateral cuts. I don't know how his knees didn't explode on one play against Iowa State. Uh, uh, it, he literally cut at, at a right angle, like a hundred percent at a right angle. I don't know how you tackle him. I, I don't. You know, I think you have to send a strongly worded letter and hope that he takes it mm-hmm. to heart. Uh, but Texas finds a way, guys, and and they they continue to improve. And Sark doing a good job. You just had to get by that one, even though it was at home.
2: Man, who stepped up, Jake? B. John Robinson, 135 on 28 carries. Hey, if you're a Texas fan, a win's a win. A win's a win, boys. Move on to the next one. And I did want to say one thing about the TCU and Oklahoma State game. The, the alternate uniforms and the helmets in that game yes. were fire. If TCU yes. would just make that their permanent uniforms, I think you'd get decommits from, uh, from Texas A&M and Texas overnight.
0: How's that? Yeah. How's that? How's that nil? How, how's y'all's nil? That's that's the first thing I'm be asking. How's y'all's nil? Uh, but all right, that does it, guys. For the Big Twelve, remember, guys, go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We're going to go to the Pac-12. We've got our N- NFL preview uh, coming up as well. There's some great matchups. And we may talk a little bit of baseball, uh, but let's, guys, let's go ahead and take a trip out to the pa- out to the Pac-12. And look, I, I want to talk my ish for a second. All right, can I can I talk my ish for a second, Blaine? Is that talk cool, your ish, Young Bull? To everybody in the comments chat on the Tom Luganville USC video talking about USC on defense, don't ever when you come at the Kings, you best not miss. Don't pretend like you know football anymore. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, USC's div- number one defense in the world ever of all time. Tom Luganville doesn't know what he's talking about. We lead the world in turnovers and sacks and all these other things. But if you actually watch the film and you actually knew football and weren't just hoping – because that's what you were doing you were i don't know who's hoping more you were the indian so i mean it's just the truth uh, you were hoping that was going to work but it didn't because you weren't good enough now is utah the best team there ever was no but utah is still a good ball club but everybody thought that usc had the steel curtain you didn't even have a curtain rod for a satin sheet man so don't come in don't come in here Talking like you know things that you don't. We appreciate you watching, but make sure you do more listening. That way you won't embarrass yourself in front of everybody that has the internet. But looking at this game, all right, Caleb Williams and USC and Mario Williams and everybody's name, Williams, apparently as good as football plays for USC. Travis died. they were able to move the ball in Utah better than what I thought. Utah up front is as soft as what I've seen on the defensive line a while. And I know you lost Devin Lloyd. You can't replace Devin Lloyd, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. All right, I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Utah continues to struggle in the front seven. But Caleb Williams is a witch, and they have some witches uh, just running around USC right now. And Lincoln Riley is going to get that place turned around because he's going to get the lineman. But on the defensive side, Utah killed you the way they've been killing everybody. Cameron Rising is going to get through two reads and just absolutely take off. And when he takes off, he is an upper echelon runner. He He's like when you – Watching Cam Rising run is like watching an Ewok run from Star Wars. You know when they're just running through the bushes and and they're like kind of small and boxed and there's not a big surface area to hit and they're lower to the ground than what you think and nobody can hit them? That's who Cameron Rising is. Nobody can square Cameron Rising up unless they're halfway up on the ground. So, again, when he takes off, he is a deadly runner, but Utah found a way. Huge win for Utah. Tough break for the Pac-12. 12, you better hope UCLA goes undefeated or you're going to be shut out of the playoff again.
2: Utah was already a dangerous team, but what makes them even more dangerous? Having nothing to lose. Yep. They already lost at Florida, already lost to UCLA. This team, that's what make this game so interesting is Utah had nothing to lose. I mean, you could see it at the very end going for two right? Do you think Utah does that if they're undefeated? I don't know. They go for too late in the game. That crowd was electric. I wish I could have been at that football game. Um, uh, Cameron rising through for 415. That one did surprise me more to your point, Jake, on USC's defense. But I do want to say something about Caleb Williams. That kid is as good as it gets, man. He's He's got such mm-hmm. a bright future. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. When I watch him throw the football, I just see a pure pocket passer. He can also make plays with his legs. Uh, USC is going to be just Fine. What, what, who does he remind you of? Does he remind you of anybody, coming, Caleb Williams? Um, let me think about that for a second. For the best comp,
0: you know, he reminds okay. who he reminds me of Tyrod Taylor. Okay, he reminds me of Tyrod Taylor a little bit what more of yeah. a
1: pure thrower.
0: Yeah, I think he's a better thrower, but he does a, he's so good in space, man. Tyrod just used to absolutely murder people. I'll um, say he kind of
2: uh, looks like Joe Burrow to me, to be honest with you. I think really, he's he a better like version Burrow. of Trey
0: Lance. Oh. I easy. like that. Now, easy, now, now, Trey and that system at North Dakota State made it kind of tough coming out of college. But I don't think – if 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 you've got a good comp in the comments right now, after you hit that like button, that subscribe button, turn those uh, notifications on. I got, a, got a question.
1: Go, go ahead, Mike. Okay, if because if, I watched uh, – I got to watch kind of the latter half of this USC-Utah game, and it, it came down, I think, one of the last drives. Caleb Williams threw a pick. All right? They caught the pick with 12 seconds left. It ended up being defensive pass interference um caught the pick, ran it uh, about 10, 15, 20 yards, ran 6 or 7 seconds off the clock. They stopped the clock where they the kid caught the pick for the pass interference. I didn't think you could do that. Yeah, I mean, dude, there were there were a couple situations yesterday. How about
0: the how about the one we had uh on uh Thursday night, I believe or Friday night with SMU where you had the on the they're out to punt. SMU is about to receive the punt. It's fourth and eight. Uh, and, and the punting team, uh, they punt the ball. There's a hold. On the return team and an inadvertent whistle during the play. And since there was an inadvertent whistle during the play, the 10 yards wasn't at, didn't knock the punt return team back 10 yards. They gave the 10 yards to the punt team, which gave them an automatic first down. I had never seen that before in my whole life. And still, part of me does not think it's right. But that was just absolutely wild. And it shows you if, if I'm a smart fan, okay. And I'm at a in our home game. I'm not I'm not telling anybody to do this. All right, but if you if you really want to crack the code, all right, beat the Enigma machine, you got to think outside the box. Maybe we're punting in a big situation. Maybe it's fourth and six. <clears throat> Maybe I'm betting whether or not somebody will hold on the punt return team, and maybe I blow an inadvertent whistle during the middle of the punt to try and get my team a first down. Mm. But, you know what? That's neither here nor there. I'm just throwing that out there. Take that however you guys will. But, Blaine, uh, I, I'm with you on that, man. It, but but it was a big win for Utah. Uh, and speaking of big wins, it was nice to see Colorado get off the schneid against the Cal team uh, that, that we know took Notre Dame down to the wire as well. We don't have to really dive into that. It's just nice for those kids at Colorado uh, to be able to get a win. Washington, look me in the eyes and decided uh, that they didn't care. I had a minus 13. They decided to beat a bad Arizona team by 10 at home. I thought they'd come back and be a little bit more pissed off. But what I want to ask you guys about is one game that not a lot of people for some reason are are talking about, and I know why, because of Alabama losing and USC losing, is Stanford went to Notre Dame and beat them, guys. And this Stanford team is not good at football. Great. I like Tanner McKee. I think he has a chance to, to be a guy in the pros that can do some things. But this wasn't a standardized test. This was football. And Stanford went up there and passed it with flying colors, David.
2: Yeah, I didn't watch any of this one. I just saw the score at the end, and I, and I was surprised because, like you said, this is – you know, Stanford, David Shaw has been able to always – kind of like what we were talking about with Mike Leach, always step up and beat someone who he's not supposed to. Mostly in those sorts of rivalry games, you'll see Stanford go to USC and win or sometimes against Notre Dame. But that's when they have a good football team. Stanford's not that great right now. Did you guys watch much of this game? No.
0: I, I, I was flipping back and forth on it a little bit. I had it on the computer. I'll I tell mean, you what this. what happened? Well, basically, long story short, they gave Stanford two touchdowns. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Tanner McKee goes 26 to 38 for 288, no touchdowns. You had one rushing touchdowns. Philkins had 91 yards uh, on 32 carries, so he averaged less than three yards per carry. So you had one rushing touchdown, no receiving touchdowns, and you recovered two fumbles. So, guys, it's very simple. Uh, you didn't return a kick for a touchdown. You didn't return a punt for a touchdown. Uh, they gave you two touchdowns on defense, and that's been Notre Dame's Achilles' heel is offensively. And it, it got a little bit better, actually, when Tyler Buckner went down and they brought Drew Pine off the bench, uh, off the pine, as, as funny as that is. But they absolutely regressed in this game, and Notre Dame continues. And it's it was going to be choppy with Marcus Early, but it seems to me like they kind of overlooked this one a little bit, and they let a bad Stanford team
1: just come up there and wait them out. And I don't they still know.
2: Still Stanford, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know why we would be surprised by this or why I know well, Stanford's Dame, that bad. Why Stanford's that bad. Would look over a Stanford team when you can't even beat Marshall at home. Yeah. So there's no team you should look over on your schedule saying, no, this will be a walk in the park unless you're playing Mercer or somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised by this. I mean, the, the, they have improved the last couple of weeks, but still their quarterback plays mediocre and you can only go so far without a quarterback. But no, I'm not surprised by this. I did not watch a single second of this football game
2: so that makes them three and two Notre Dame that is and now they have UNLV all right that should move them to four and two Mm. they go to Syracuse to Syracuse okay they do get Clemson at home and then Navy Boston College and then they finish at Southern Cal
0: yeah uh best of luck with that be- best of luck. Uh, Marcus, oh, I do think he's going to be fine there at Notre Dame. Do you want to give a shout out to our three friends over there? Three.
2: Not three and two, sorry. Uh,
0: three and three. Uh, again, I do want to give again. a shout out to our friends over there at Oregon State who moved to five and two. You had the second career start from Gold Branson, we were able to beat Washington yeah, State. Uh, the Beavers just sneaking around in, in the in the backfield there in the Pac 12 a little bit, per se. We're going to talk about the Oregons. We're going to talk about the UCLAs, the USCs, the Utahs, but Oregon State putting together another solid year with coach norman and corvallis that play and that's a place you can win too i i think it's an underrated place they care about their football out there keep putting out a good product keep getting good players and you'll keep getting good results uh but all right guys let's uh let's move on here uh remember uh if you do have a donation we will read it out loud i believe uh, let's go ahead and do some donations, because guys, we have hit every Power Five conference except the ACC, uh, which we'll get to really quick after these hey, donations. Clemson won, yeah. Cle-
1: <laughs> Clemson won. There's yeah. your ACC update. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just Travis kidding. Johnson, a dollar ninety nine cent donation. He says, "Can South Alabama get some hype? Let's um, do it. Let's Scotland do it against of five shout I Let them know, Crane.
0: Yeah, look, I, I'll tell you right now that that's my alma mater. Should have beat UCLA. Honestly, should have beat UCLA." Uh, here's my thing with South Alabama. When Kane was hired, Kane Womack, the head coach, uh, I thought it was a fantastic hire. I, I didn't know he was going to be able to do it this fast, but you mix that with the new on-campus stadium, which was huge. When I coached there, that was the thing we were waiting on. We knew that was going to be the next step, but as far as group of five teams, guys, especially with coastal getting blasted at home by old dominion is South Alabama, the best group of five team out there. Look me in the eyes and tell me I'm wrong right now. Look, look at them. Both of them. Tell me I'm wrong. The Jags, like we used to say, south in your mouth. I'm sorry.
2: It's just how it is. You had another group of five shout-out, didn't you, too? Did uh, well, to I, you? I, I was going to let I was gonna let you go. I thought you were going to give Georgia Southern maybe a little you, group you of five. You know five I'm going to get to the Georgia Southern Eagles, man, handing the James Madison Dukes their first loss. Well, if you can't they, beat one guy. You know, I mean, look, James Madison came in all by himself, you know, to uh, to Paulson <laughs> Stadium. Uh, but hey, a ranked James Madison—they were ranked 25. Yeah. Kyle Van Trees threw for 578. He set a school record at Georgia Southern.
0: Yeah, it's a, that's a nice win too for Clay Helton, a guy uh, that that we've had on the show. Blaine, do you have one out there? Jackson no. five and one, by the way.
1: Um, a non-power five.
0: Yeah, Georgia Southern. You're going to go Georgia Southern over South Alabama. Wow, or Auburn. I appreciate
1: that. I appreciate that. Or <laughs> Auburn. One or the other. Those two.
0: Those two, I there, for sure.
1: All right, let's get through the
0: ACC real quick. Ooh. Miami uh, was able to beat Virginia Tech but not cover. Uh, they jumped out. I think they were up 20 to nothing. Uh, again, remember, good teams win, great teams cover. Um, you know, Brent it's going to take some time out there. I'm just really under underwhelmed by Grant Wells. And what he's been able to do at Virginia Tech, I had a lot of high hopes when he left Marshall. Remember, as a freshman, he busted on the scene for Marshall. I mean, they covered every game because he was covering every inch of the field with the pass. Uh, Tulane's another good group of five team, obviously with the win over K State earlier. Uh, Willie Fritz, a guy who you know used to whip our ass when he was at Georgia Southern all the time. Thank goodness I don't got to coach against that guy anymore. But guys, Miami, it was it was a game you had to win. Uh, get a little positive momentum. We know how up and down they've been. Uh, you know, going to A and M, not being able to score when they got in the red zone, didn't have Restrepo, and then you lose to Middle Tennessee State at home. So it's a game Miami really just had to go win, and they did it. They weren't great. Virginia Tech wasn't horrible, and that's how you get a 20-14 to 14 Miami win.
1: Blaine Oh, yeah. I mean, Miami will only get better. I believe in uh, Coach Cristobal, but right now, guys, the ACC, I mean, it's Clemson. See who it is. I mean, Clemson mm-hmm. and Syracuse. I mean, who would have thought? NC State, Devin Leary goes out, not the same team. DJU's playing a lot better, but I think this is Clemson's conference, and you can go ahead and wrap it up. Signed, sealed, and delivered, baby. All right. Well, do you think Syracuse may have a chance? They got to go on the
0: road to Clemson uh, this weekend, beat an NC State team that without Devin Leary, you know, Chambers came in uh, last week and looked pretty good in the couple drives he was in. Uh, But I guess they must, you know, somebody from the Men in Black must have showed up at his dorm and neuralized him before this week because it looked like he didn't even know who was running what or where. NC State, you know, Syracuse came down. I mean, first drive, bang, 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 bang. Garrett Schrader, the Mississippi State transfer uh, is looking fantastic fantastic they're still undefeated you've got to give them some credit i just still don't think this team is good enough to go into clemson where they don't lose games and beat them with what they have i don't think that i don't think the offensive line is going to be able to protect garrett schrader from four quarters before the things from 300 uh the guys from 300 fought are running across that offensive line for clemson and then i don't see a way in which clemson's not able to move the ball because dj you guys is doing it in multiple way he did it again yesterday he did it with his feet and his legs we are seeing him grow every single week and we keep saying all right are we gonna see a regression to me he's like he's to the point where you got like one more you're like the first week off the nicorette patch like you haven't smoked a cigarette in like a month you're like you know i don't even need the patch anymore let's see if it's real i've had the patch for a month i've taken the patch off and so far you're waking up you're not wanting a cigarette. You're wanting scrambled eggs. You're going to sleep. You're not wanting to light up a stog. You're wanting to have good dreams about your team playing good. So we'll see if TJU can still not smoke cigarettes while off the patch, hypothetically, and not regress back to the old TJU that wants to smoke cigs, that wants to turn the ball over, that doesn't use his feet or trust his playmakers. We'll see. Your thoughts uh, on uh, Syracuse and Clemson? He, he, he
2: look, look, man, he looks good. This Clemson team looks good. I think Syracuse will give them a fight but I'm starting to feel like Clemson is going to go undefeated and win the ACC this was the last one right here that I felt kind of weird about going on the road to dope Campbell maybe Jordan Travis goes off and wins you an overtime game something like that that's why I said my spidey senses were tingling I think Clemson took care of them look Florida State outrushed them they threw for more yards and, and and despite a 14 point push by Florida State uh in the fourth quarter Clemson still holds on for the victory. So I'll be intrigued with the Syracuse matchup, but what I wanted to ask you guys was, what about the ACC championship? Do you think because they don't play North Carolina, and it's starting to look like uh, North Carolina may wrap up the Atlantic uh, side of that conference? Do you think, or the coastal side of that mm-hmm. conference? Do you think that uh, Clemson North Carolina could could be a good football game?
0: Man, I do because North Carolina is so lethal offensively, and and I will say, DB, what's up? Greetings. Uh, he says greetings from Japan. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you uh, uh, checking in on us. You know, my, my, my thing is this. I just think Clemson is so much better up front than anybody else in that conference. And, and that's been their meal ticket, right? What well, what separates us from everybody else in the ACC and what gives us a chance to win once we get into the playoff? It's up front. That's where the game is won and lost. And Clemson has turned themselves into an SEC team in the the ACC uh I think North Carolina would be able to score Drake May is a witch of the highest order to me he's Justin Herbert he's he's a little and and his ceiling may be a little bit higher. And I know you say, Oh, Jake, that's crazy to say he, he's a freshman, whatever the book's not out on him yet. He is the only way North Carolina can win. That defense is so bad. He can't go out there and just play good. And I know that he knows that, you know, that hell, even I think Joe Biden knows that he didn't even know where he's at right now. So when, when you look at that matchup, I think it's going to come down to up front. I think Clemson's just too lethal on that defensive line. I think they'll get Drake may into a couple problems. You'll see a couple turnovers there. I do think that's the matchup we're getting. Let's let's look real quick at, at, at North Carolina, the rest of their schedule. Let's let's pull that up and see because this is the last year or two, I believe, guys, that the ACC is going to have divisions. I think this may be the last year or one of the last years that we have divisions in conferences in college football.
2: North Carolina has a bye next week, and then they have Pitt at home. They go to Virginia. North Carolina goes to Wake Forest. Uh, which is interesting. Then they have Georgia Tech at home, and then they will get NC State at home. So North Carolina actually does have some matchups with the Atlantic side. But again, the Atlantic is the tougher side of that conference to me, and Clemson has already made their way through Florida State. NC State and Wake Forest. Now, if they get through Syracuse, I think they have that side of the division locked up. And I mean, while North Carolina will have some tough games left, uh, the Coastal, to me, I mean, look, Georgia Tech's in second in the Coastal right now with a (laughs) 2 and one conference record. Yeah, man, why'd they fire Jeff Collins?
0: Well, how funny would it be if Georgia Tech won won uh, their division?
2: (laughs) It'd 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 be funny for some people, maybe not funny for others
0: definitely alright so hey we, I want to go five minutes here of just straight ask Crane and Co if you have a question in the chat just ask us before we move over to the NFL guys we're going to go a little bit long today but you know what you give the people what they want I woke up this morning and decided to choose excellence y'all what did y'all need to you go decide?
1: ahead and get off your chest the Atlanta Braves thing yeah Braves. you know what I do no ready college
0: football time there's nothing else going on I don't want to talk about it you can follow us on social media go to at crane company on twitter everywhere else appreciate you guys like and subscribe spread the word live 739 Eastern a.m. each weekday a lot to cover this week not only NFL today huge weekend of college football major league baseball playoffs NHL starting NBA starting Quidditch is just ending Uh, a lot of stuff going on we appreciate you guys and we'll check y'all out tomorrow morning have a good weekend bless up